0: Uh, We continue our series on building God's temple. And just to recap, a quick recap from two weeks ago when I started this, the first sermon was building God's temple in the presence of God, right? That people wanted to go to the second temple of Jerusalem to seek God as well as to entreat or beseech God. Okay? And then last week, we talked about how building God's temple, every brick matters. Do you know that? And of course, every brick is a re- reference to you and me, that every person matters when it comes to building God's temple. So if you and I are the bricks, then God's love is the mortar that binds us together. Okay? And then Jesus is the foundation that we are built upon. And so that's the essence, that's the reality, that's what God's temple uh, really is. It's not a structure, but it's more so people, people coming together. That's what the temple of God is. So today, part three, it's building God's temple with a firm grip. A firm grip is needed to Build God's temple. You're probably thinking, what does that mean right now? What does firm grip mean? Well, you're going to see that in a little while. But if you think about it, in regard to construction, since we're talking about building God's temple, a firm grip is needed. One of the lessons I learned from my dad, last week I gave you a lesson from my dad, here's another lesson that I learned from my dad, is how to hold a hammer. Does anyone know the proper way to hold a hammer? So if you wish I brought my hammer, let's pretend this is a hammer. This is off, right? So it's not going to give me feedback. Let's pretend this is the claw back here. And then this is the head of the hammer. And then here's the handle. A lot of people feel like they need to hold a hammer right underneath the head. And then you hammer this way. But that's not the correct way. I see some heads saying, no, yes, you're right. If you're saying no, that is not the right way to hold a hammer. If anything, you want to hold it at the bottom of the handle with a firm grip. The reason why you wanna handle it or hold it at the bottom of the handle is because when you go to pound the hammer, you have a lot of force. You get the most force by holding it down here. And then with the firm grip, well, a firm grip means you're gonna hit the target right on the nail, right on the nail. And at the same time, oh, there's a hammer. Renee, you're always prepared. I like this hammer. It's very light. It's a Black and Decker too, just like your toaster oven, Scott. Now, you stop the <laughs> I know. I probably stressed Jim out there just for a second, like, oh man, is he gonna drop that hammer? But you want a firm grip. At least 20 ounces. At least 20 ounces. Which one? This? Oh no, this feels yeah. like what? Three ounces? Two ounces? It is plastic. Yeah. You don't want to trust me with the metal hammer. So you grab the hammer down here with the firm grip. The firm grip also helps so that way you don't accidentally let it go and hurt someone. That way you can hit the nail with good force and at the same time with a good firm grip. Firm grip is needed in building God's church. Today we go back to Zechariah chapter 8 verse 23 two weeks ago we looked at the preceding verses but today we're going to look at Zechariah eight twenty-three, and this is what it says in those days 10 men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say let us go with you where are they going they want to go to the temple the second temple of Jerusalem that's, that has not been built at this point. It's about to be built. And God is telling the people that once it is built, people from other nations will want to take firm hold of one Jew by the hand of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Okay? So where's the firm grip that's mentioned here? It's the people of other nations that want to worship at the temple of God that is holding firmly unto the church people. That's amazing. Just let that sit in for a while on what is happening in this in this situation, the people outside of the church are the ones wanting to come in. And they need someone to bring them there. So in this verse, it says that they are going to grab, they're gonna take a firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let me go with you. I highlighted that phrase, will take firm hold, because That is gonna be our key phrase for this day. I want us to think about what that grip represents, what that hold represents. Before we go any further, we need to do a quick recap on the English language, okay? Here's a quick recap of the English language. The English language has certain words to help amplify a sentence. For example, we have adverbs. Adverbs helps modify a verb. An example is, the verb here is speaks, to talk, right? That's the verb, to speak. But then how are they speaking? Well, this person is probably speaking softly. So the adverb is softly. Now, an adjective is, has nothing to do with a verb. If anything, it modifies a noun. Okay, so the example here is the noun is the grass. Well, what kind of grass? It's a green grass. Or it might be a tall grass, or it could be a withered grass. The third third word I want to point out is that sentences sometimes have reflexive pronouns. What is a reflexive pronoun? Well, it's words like myself, yourself, and themselves. Why is this important? Well, because the Bible has a lot of adverbs, adjectives, and reflexive pronouns throughout its, entire, throughout its entirety, OK? It's important for us to, to see these, these sentences throughout the Bible. Here's one example. They themselves quickly run towards the famous actor for an autograph. Breaking it down, you see themselves, they themselves, that's the reflexive pronoun quickly run, quickly is the adverb, towards the famous actor for an autograph. Famous is the adjective. The Bible is surrounded with, uh, is, has so many of these types of words. Our Bible verse last week, 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17 says, Do you not know that you, look at that reflexive pronoun, you yourselves, are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. And then our Bible verse today has an adverb that helped us understand this word hold. How, how much are they holding onto the Jew by the hem of his robe? How much? Firmly. That's the adverb. They're firmly holding. So why does a Bible do this? It's because the Bible wants to emphasize certain points. The writers of the Bible, though they are average men and women who have written these words, use such beautiful words to get a point across to get an idea across so that you and I can understand the impact that Jesus wants to make through those words. So we have this firm hold that's happening by the outsiders. Well, that phrase right there, will take firm hold, says a lot about who these people are. It really does. It says a lot about their humility. It says a lot about what they're hungry for. It says a lot about their spiritual awareness. But you might say, well, spiritual awareness, Edrey, I'm talking about spiritual awareness from the Christian context because that can be misconstrued to the worldly type of spiritual awareness. If you Google spiritual awareness, it'll tell you to let go of the negatives, to let go of the bad, to let go of the ill feelings. However, spiritual awareness within the Christian context tells you sometimes we need to grieve, sometimes we need to feel sadness, sometimes we need to feel joy. Now, these people that are coming, that that want to come to the temple, who are firmly holding onto the churchgoers, their spiritual awareness is high. So what is spiritual awareness within the context of Christianity? Well, I just want to give you two points so you can remember it and understand it. Well, spiritual awareness is nothing more than the humility to recognize your sin or your error or wrongdoing. Once you recognize the, the sin or the error or the wrongdoing that you are guilty of, then you take action towards reconciliation. To reconcile the wrong that has happened. So when we go back to this verse, and we see the, the verse in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23, we see that these people holding on to the Jews must have recognized something inside their heart isn't right. So therefore they need to go to the temple to find God. They need reconciliation in their life. And their spiritual awareness tells them that. So going back one slide. If spiritual awareness is having the humility to see the sin or the wrongdoing and then is to take action towards re- reconciliation, then action towards reconciliation is this prayer, confession, repentance of your sin or your wrongdoing, and then seeking forgiveness. Seeking forgiveness. I want to ask you a time in your life when someone reached out to you for direction, for guidance, perhaps compassion, or comfort. And what that must have been like. Or perhaps, perhaps, you were the person that was trying to reach out to someone, and you are wanting to grab onto them with a firm grip because you felt brokenness, sadness, pain, or sickness. That's what I see in this verse, in this key text of ours today, that, people from other languages and nations are reaching out, are reaching out to get that help. (coughs) When I think of this story my mind goes to the story of uh, the one found in Mark chapter 5. It's Jesus and the bleeding woman. You may have heard this story before. Allow me to retell it briefly. Jesus is in the throngs of people that's around him. We're talking about grip. We're talking about grabbing, right? Jesus is being grabbed or groped uh, throughout, um, throughout this time as he's walking through this crowd. People are wanting to, to reach out to him for many different reasons. And as he's walking through this crowd, there is this woman who's crawling, unlike all the other people who are standing and coming to Jesus, walking to Jesus to reach out to Jesus, this lady is on her knees crawling. And then she looks up in the midst of her crawling, she looks up and she must have seen Jesus, plus she's hearing people saying, oh, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. So she said to herself, if I can only touch his cloak, if I can only reach out to touch the hem of his robe, if I can just touch that, I'm going to be healed. She was bleeding for 12 years. She spent all the money she had not find uh, unsuccessful to find any type of healing. So finally at this point of desperation, she said, if I can just get to Jesus, and I can't imagine what that must have been like, where there's hundreds of people around you, and you are crawling on your knees in filth and dirt, just thinking to yourself, if I can get to Jesus, I will be healed. Well, I think you know this story. So what happened? Right, you're right, Jonathan. The second she she touches Jesus' cloak, the hem of his robe, what happens? She's healed. She's healed. She's healed because she has great faith. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. She's healed because she has great faith. And that's what I see in this story. The people from other nations wanting to take firm hold of someone from the church, tells me that they have great faith that that churchgoer is going to lead them to God. But the sad thing is sometimes we as the churchgoers are the ones that may sometimes push them out of church. I don't think it's happened here. But it's a good thing to think about if we may be guilty of that. You might say, how can, you, how can we push out someone from the church? Well, there's so many ways. Directly telling them that maybe they're not dressed correctly for church. Or ignoring them and you know they're a guest. And you're not approaching them with a smile or a warm welcome to Castle Rock Adventist Church. The question that I need to ask is if a person is going to reach out to firmly hold on to you, will you reciprocate? Will you reciprocate their firm hold trying to reach out to you? Not with a firm hold, but with an embrace. Would you reciprocate with an embrace? It's food for thought food for thought. But why we, would we need to do that? It's because God has given us His grace, right? If God has given His grace to us, then we need to show grace unto others. Look at what Isaiah 41 verse 13 says. God, too, has a firm grip it's not just people outside of the church wanting to grab onto someone in here. It also tells us in Isaiah forty-one thirteen that God has a firm grip. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. <coughs> the word that we see here where it says that God is also holding on to us is the same word that we find in our key text in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23. In the Hebrew, this word is hazik. Hazik. And here's what's so special about this word that says God takes hold of your right hand or someone is trying to hold on to us right now. Here's what's special about that Hebrew word. Hazik. Hazik means to seize. To seize. Not to seize in the sense of to put you under restraint, but to seize, to grab onto you so you can make me strong. That's what Hazik means. Hazik, therefore, can actually be translated, according to the Hebrew dictionary, it can actually be translated as to make strong. So when someone is reaching out to you, what they're saying is, I need your help to make me strong. Now, here's the beautiful thing about God. While people are trying to reach out to us, God is the one trying to reach out to you and me. He's the one that says, I want to hazeek you. I want to hold on to you. Hold on to your right hand because I want to make you strong the problem is the problem is this when someone tries to reach out sometimes what we can do is stiff arm them like a football player that has a football in their arm we push them out but if we have god's love in our heart then maybe this is something that we can do. What did Peter do when he saw Jesus walk on water? He cried out to Jesus and he said, let me come to you, Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Sure, come out of that boat and walk to me. And for a few steps, Peter walked on water. Then he lost his faith focus. You're right, Jonathan. He lost his focus on Jesus, and he fell. He fell into the water. But as soon as he fell, I can imagine Jesus running up towards him, extending his hand to take him out, to take him out of those, that, that cold, frigid water to bring him back to safety. Another text that shows us God's firm grip on you and me is Isaiah 49, 15. This verse is beautiful because it's not so much talking about a grip, but an embrace. The embrace is not directly mentioned, but you can see it and you can feel it. It's heavily implied. Isaiah 49, 15 says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, though she may forget, I will never forget you. I will never forget you is what God says. The picture that this verse paints for us is a beautiful picture of a loving parent Holding their child into their, into their bosom. An embrace unlike anything else. My dad, I'm always telling stories of my dad only because I love that man. He told me one day stop walking on that curb. I was walking on a curb and I wasn't listening to him. I still, I was trying to balance it. That's what I was trying to do, right? Walking on the curb. Have you kids ever done that before? Adrian, have you ever tried to use a curb as a balance beam? Yeah. Have you ever fallen? Uh Uh-huh, right? Doesn't it hurt when you fall? Well, my dad told me, stop doing that. You're going to fall. Well, as stubborn, I'm big headed. I didn't listen to him, so you can imagine what happened, Chandro. I fell. and I busted my knee. Blood was gushing everywhere. I was probably four or five years old. I still remember that. And I thought my dad was going to be very mad at me. He quietly picked me up, and he took a cloth in the pickup truck. I think it was a dirty cloth covered in oil grease, but at that point, I didn't care. He put it on my knee and then he picked me up and he, put, he sat down on that curb that I fell on and he picked me up and he sat down and then he put me on his lap. And he said, that's why I was telling you not to do that. Not to ruin your fun, but because I wanted to protect you. I'll never forget that embrace. And that's why I'm getting that lumpy feeling Uh, thing in my throat right now. It's because I'm picturing that embrace. That embrace that even though I'm 42 years old this day, today, I can still feel the warmth of his embrace. That Bible verse of ours today, Zechariah 823. I want you to look at one more thing. It tells us here that in those days, 10 men from other nations will take firm hold of how many Jews? One. 10 to one is the ratio. It tells me that there are ten, there are more people out there suffering who long to have that human connection, who long to feel the touch of another person. Ten to one. For every one of us, there's ten others out there who is looking, who are looking for, for something in their life looking for God, looking for compassion, looking for love. Ten to one. So you know what that tells me, brothers and sisters? We have a lot of work ahead of us. There's a lot of suffering out there. But if you can just embrace that one person who reaches out to you, you're going to make a big difference. That's you building up God's temple here today. If you can embrace that person that reaches out to you for the need that they have in their life, then you're living out God's wishes for a true temple in Castle Rock, Colorado.